What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Corner 3 Podcast. It's your co-host, Marshall Clayton, and with me today, as always, my co-host, Canyon. What up, Canyon? How's it going? Uh, just living the dream, Marshall, the public educator dream. Yeah, yeah. I want to give a... Uh... I want to give a uh, quick shout out to all of my students because they have found the podcast. Oh, and let's go. I walked into a classroom today and I asked another teacher a question. All I heard was somebody go, Is it the Corner Three podcast? And they said, Oh, he's in. <laughs> I was like, All right, sweet. <laughs> my face would have just turned immediately red. The kids could have so roasted I, me. I would have, I would have been, been done. So our following and our listening should go up if they're good students if they want to pass my class but yeah i know if, you, if, if they want an a hint, hint, maybe a b i better see some straight I better see some they don't climbing. straight yeah, i better see some numbers climbing <laughs> uh today uh we're just going to get into you know the march madness uh today's wednesday so we're just a day before the uh sweet 16 gets underway um, today, we just kind of wanted to, you know, go over what we saw in the first and second round, round of 64, round of 32, um, talk about some of the matchups we saw, some of the crazy games that went down. It was, def- it was, you know, March Madness like it always is. It's always just great stuff to watch all weekend long. And then we'll kind of, you know, get into some of the matchups we want to, we're looking forward to seeing what we, what we might think might happen in those, in those games, the outcomes. And we also can give you an update on our, uh, our little bet we got going on for the hot chip challenge uh oh, how yeah. our braggarts are looking it's a cl- it's it's close it's uh we can kind of hop into that first kind of go kind of go over that real quick um our brackets are close canyon uh you're Maybe. 10 points yeah. ahead you're 10 points ahead and uh all three of the four of our final fours are left uh what do you what, what's going through your head about our brackets right now well i just want to point out for the entire first two rounds i was losing until literally the very last three games of the night and i checked at the yeah. end of the night and i was up 10 points i was in last place in my big bracket with like 12 people i was in dead last and i was mm-hmm. losing to you and then at the end of the night now i'm first in both so i, I i'm feeling pretty hot especially yeah. when the, the one final four team we don't have left is the duke blue devils uh picked yeah. them to win but never for one second did i cheer for them um I'm feeling good about it. The only thing I have an issue with is I had, in this bracket I have UCLA winning, and I kind of didn't like that after I submitted it. And then I watched mm-hmm. UCLA, UCLA play, and I think they look like one of the most dominant teams in the tournament. So I'm chilling with that. What are your thoughts? Yeah, UCLA is looking good. Um, like we 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 both have UCLA in the championship game. We just have different champions. I have Bama beating them, obviously. Um, yeah. yeah, I was feeling really good about my bracket with you in this group. Uh, as, as you said, I was in the lead for most of the way. Um, the Kennesaw State we talked about a little before we got on here. That one, that one hurt me a little bit. It stung because we would we we would be tied right now, I think, or no, I would be in the lead, and I would have uh, the max amount of points left because you had Xavier going pretty far, as I had yeah. losing in that game. Um, Kennesaw State absolutely blew it at the end, uh, you know, so that that really hurt. Um, I needed a big Sunday uh, to kind of hold on a lead. Didn't happen. Those games didn't fall my way. Um, so that that kind of burns. I know I'm a little, and I knew I knew going into it, I needed the small games to map to hit for me because we have such similar brackets. So right now, I'm 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 just riding the Alabama wave. I need I need Roll Tide to come through and win it all so, to kind of avoid eating that ship. Uh, already dreading it. Already oh yeah. Dreading it. I think I think the big thing for you to look forward to is if Xavier plays Texas. Uh, mm-hmm. I obviously have Xavier winning that game. I have them going to the Final Four. If that that's pretty sketchy, Xavier hadn't really instilled a whole lot of faith into me the way they've been playing. You know, they were losing to Kennesaw State for most of that game, then they were losing to Pitt yeah. for most of that game as well. Luckily, yeah. they pulled them both out at the end, but we'll, I mean, I guess we'll see. Yeah, that one's going to be a great game. Uh, I think that one will be a nail biter on uh, what's that? That's on Friday at eight forty-five, eight forty-five p.m. But yeah, that's that's an update on our brackets. We we both have three, like I said, three Final Four teams left. I think we we have a good amount of Elite Eight teams left. So there's some points to be made up here and there. Uh, but yeah, our champions are definitely going to end up determining this. Uh, Unless one of them get bounced in the Sweet 16, then things are going to be really haywire. So we'll see. We'll see. I'm excited. 
Um, with that, with that, we we can hop right into the round of 64, round of 32 games that we that we wanted to kind of talk about. Um, we can try to go down the line here in the South region first. Candy, yeah. any any of those those round 64s games yeah, just, pop out at you? Just want to touch on a couple of the I think the main games from like the first two days, and obviously the first one we got is Furman versus Virginia. Yeah. Um, you, if I'm not mistaken, you picked that, correct? I did. I did. It was. I was one for one on the first upsets of the day. Felt great going after that. Uh, unlike me, who picked three of the four 12 seeds and none of which won. <laughs> um, yeah, the 12 seeds did not show. They did not. Well, Drake should have, but we'll get to that. Uh, <laughs> the Furman Virginia game, you know, I, I think I said on the pod, if not, I said it to somebody else. I really want to pick Furman. It's just so hard for me to pick against Tony Bennett because he's a heck of a coach. But, you know, yeah. I was watching that game and I was looking at something on my phone. And I heard, oh, no, from the TV. And I look up right when the Furman player is loading up into a shot. And I was like, no way. And it just, boom. I was like, it's March, baby. It's March. Yeah. It's March. And I mean, that from right there, that just kicked the tournament off to a pretty good start. Um, you know, that's the issue with the way Virginia likes to play is you can't have an off day. You can't shoot bad if you're Virginia because you play so slow and you limit so many possessions that you get that if the other team is shooting better than you, it's going to come back to bite you. And, you know, they didn't, they don't have Ben Vanderplas, who was not their leading scorer, but close to it. And so I really probably should look more into that and realize, you know, you take a key part of offense away from a team that doesn't score a lot, they're going to struggle. Uh, what are your thoughts on that one? Uh, yeah, that game was weird because I never really thought Furman, like they were, it was close. And, and Virginia even made runs and got up by double digits multiple times, a couple times in the second half. Mm-hmm. Um but watching that game, I was like, man, I really don't like my Furman pick right now. Uh, just Virginia just felt like they had control of the game. But like you said, when you play the way they play, you're more susceptible, more susceptible to those upsets because that team, that team, other team can just kind of hang around and hang around. And, you know, if you fall apart like they did at the end, Virginia did. Um, one of the most, I felt so bad for Clark, the guard that turned it over for Virginia. He, he was phenomenal. Phenomenal on I can't talk today. Phenomenal on defense uh, for Virginia. Had 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 like a, a couple steals back to back late in that game under the four minute mark, and just had kind of a brain fart moment and kind of just I don't know if he thought the time was running out and he could throw it up in the air, you know, and time would run out, which you know mm-hmm. we've seen that before, um, but he just threw it up way too early. I don't know what he was saying. I still I watched it tons of times and still can't figure out his thought process, but. Yeah, Furman made the most of their shot, and it was just uh, – I was like, okay. When that game ended, I was like, let's – I was just so pumped. I was just – we had the – that was very early – very early into uh, the matchup so, uh, of the day, so we had a lot to go after that. Yeah, and, you know, T.A. Clark, as a freshman, threw one of the best passes in March Madness history. If you guys don't know what I'm talking about, it's when they played – uh, not Auburn, when they played Purdue with Carson Edwards, correct, or was mm-hmm. that Auburn? That was Purdue. Uh, I can't remember. You know, they missed the free throw, got tipped all the way back to backcourt, and K.A. Clark chased it down, and you got your two best players, Ty Jerome and Kyle Guy, calling for the ball at half court to shoot a buzzer beater. And K.A. Clark does a three-fourth quarter, one-arm pass, directly on the money to Mamadou Diakite, throws it up there, and it goes in. They go into overtime, eventually going to win the national championship. So for the longest time, K.A. Clark had that reputation. And then, sadly, yeah. he ends his club year. I think it was his fifth year this year. He ends his five-year career mm-hmm. with one of the worst passes uh, of the tournament history. Not really of the history, but just in general. Um, yeah. like, like you said, yeah, he's trying to throw it up and waste the timeout. And I think, you know, there's four seconds left, I think, when he did it. So the guy that stole the ball got it with about 2.8 left. Uh, if, if somebody that wasn't – Five foot eleven, like Kia Clark is through that. I think it goes to the other end and goes out of bounds, and then they have to throw it in length. It just so happens Kia Clark's one of the shortest point guards in D one basketball, and so he threw it up, it got tipped, and just you know it went right to him. And like you said, I feel for Kia Clark, but I mean, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do, baby? It's March. Yeah, and as soon as he turned it over and Furman had the ball, just he just felt like it was destiny for that three pointer to go in. So that was that was really cool. Um, Furman, you know, their their Cinderella story didn't last much longer, getting absolutely trounced by uh, San Diego State in the second round. Um, they, and they just look they look, they just look terrible. Uh, 
could not, you know, could not stay with San Diego State. San Diego State just looked way, way more talented and had that, you know, in the bag early. Um, another game in the South region, uh, I think we wanted to talk about was Arizona, Princeton. Um, Princeton coming through as the 15th seed of the year to, to get, to get, to get the, the upset done. What you, what you think about that one? Uh, yeah, hold on. I'm having some camera issues real quick. Oh, you're good. There we go. Uh, yeah, Princeton, you know, I watched that game and never at one point in that game, but I think Arizona was, you know, feeling comfortable. The entire time I watched it, I was like, man, this is, I'm not even an Arizona fan, but I am just like on the edge of my seat watching this game. And for a team that was so dominant all year in the Pac-12, and I think they averaged like 84 points a game. I, they scored like 52, I think, in this game. I don't remember. What yeah, they locked them down. They locked them up. And, you know, credit to Princeton because, again, in the next round against Missouri, they did the same thing. Their defense was their defense has been phenomenal. And, you know, they're 15 seed now in the Sweet 16. And it's just – it was pretty impressive to watch. I was sitting there, I was watching that game, and I was just like, there's no way they're going to pull this out. And they just – you know, they Arizona's going down there trying to get the ball to Tubelas and all that. And, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, at the very end of the game, they shot a shot. Princeton ended up blocking it, yeah, and, and getting the ball back and having to get fouled and go down and shoot free throws. And I was like, oh my god, they pulled it off. And then you go into the second week or the second day games, and they're playing Missouri, and it's the same thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Missouri really never in that game was comfortable, nor did they lead by a lot. If in both those games I watched. To me, it felt like Princeton, even when they weren't leading, was the more comfortable and more in-control team. Like, they never looked nervous. They never looked shook. And when you're playing a team like Arizona, number two seed, who dominated in their conference, um, I think, you know, they were number two overall at one point in the year. You're playing a team like that. They have a lot to lose, and Princeton doesn't. Mm -hmm. So you just come out as Princeton, and you just play basketball. And a lot of times that's a better strategy for you than Arizona, who, like, you know, you have an open shot and you're like, oh, I better hit this. And now you're all hitchy and thinking about your shot. Princeton's just out there free flowing. Yeah. It definitely had that vibe of, you know, Arizona was feeling the pressure uh, against Princeton the whole time. Uh, and I really thought Arizona was going to squeak it out. You know, they got up to a 10 point lead, you know, with under, a little under seven minutes, I think, left in the game. And then Princeton just stormed back. I think Princeton finished that game on a, uh, they outscored them 18 to, yeah, 18 to four. Uh, in the last eight minutes of that game. So it just shows you the turnaround, you know, the answer Princeton had once they got down double digits. And, you know, then Princeton uh, kind of of handled Missouri in the second game, in the second round game, like you said. Um, And I'm I'm really excited to see what they can do against Creighton in the Sweet 16. Mm -hmm. And I just, I want to point out that in uh, both the Furman and the Princeton game, at one point, like you said, they were down 10 plus points in the second half. And I remember yeah. looking up at the ticker and just thinking, oh, dang, those, you know, Furman, Princeton, they, they hung around for a while, but they're about to get blown out. Yeah. And then I watched the game I was watching, and I looked back up, and I was like, oh, my God, Princeton's up by two. Oh, my God, Furman's up. Like, you know, it was just one of those. <laughs> was one of those I was like, man, so weird. How, how did the thought of, oh, they're going to lose now cross my mind when it's March, man? I mean, both those games, yeah. both Princeton games and the Furman-Virginia game were incredibly fun to watch. Yeah, the, uh, those were the two main upsets of the South region. Um, everything kind of went went as planned uh, for the other games. Uh, nothing real. I mean, there was a lot of good games in there, but nothing real notable. I don't think we else wanted to touch on in that region. Um, we'll come back and talk about the rest of those matchups uh, after we recap the rest of the first, second round for the other region. Um, moving down to the East, uh, we got the big boy, the yeah. Fairleigh Dickinson. Whatever they're called, Knights. I can't. I don't even. What are they? The Knights. The Knights. Yep. Uh, yeah, they get it done against Purdue and Zach Eady, seven four. Um, fairly Dickinson didn't care. They came out and uh, played with intensity, energy. Uh, I was following this game on my phone for a lot of the night. I had to go back and rewatch this one after it all was said and done. Uh, what are your thoughts on that huge upset? Uh. I mean, the game was just phenomenal. Before I get into it, I want to ask you this. What do you think the bigger upset is, FDU over Purdue or when Virginia got beat by UMBC? Uh, I'm going to say this one. I feel like this one – UMBC was more of the unknown team. Like, I've, I've, you know, I mean, no one knew who UMBC was before that. But 
And obviously, you can say that for Fairleigh Dickinson, but I will say Purdue showed a lot of dominance this year. Won their won their conference tournament coming into this, and doesn't play that style of like being prone to upsets like Virginia does. So I think that makes it all even more impressive, especially with the size Purdue has and the size advantages they had against Fairleigh Dickinson made it insanely impressive. That argument is something I've seen a whole lot, and I've heard a whole lot throughout the podcast that I listen to. And Mm -hmm. a lot of people's argument for the UMBC versus Virginia game is, you know, obviously Virginia was the number one overall seed that year. Yeah. Uh, UMBC was, you know, 16 seed and beat them by 20. So, you know, that's big. All that. Some stuff that a lot of people don't understand about this FDU-Purdue game is, yeah, Purdue wasn't the number one overall seed. I get that. They're still a number one seed. Mm -hmm. FDU wasn't an automatic 16 seed. They were in the play-in. They destroyed Texas Southern to get into the tournament. But what a lot of people don't understand is, FDU didn't win their conference tournament. Uh, yeah. Mer- Merrimack actually won FDU's conference tournament to get the auto bid, but yeah. due to some stupid archaic rules from the NCAA, <laughs> Merrimack is in the transition from D2 to D1, and you cannot mm-hmm. go to the NCAA tournament for the first three years you transition to D1. I don't understand why. That makes zero sense to me. Yeah. But because of that, FDU, who got second in their tournament, gets bumped to the play-in game and then won that game and then just rode their hot hand and just flat-out dominated Purdue. And by dominated, I mean, obviously, they didn't beat them by double digits. But this game, never once did I think Purdue was going to win. The whole time I'm watching, I'm like, like, it's just this is FDU's game. And another crazy thing, you talked about Zach Eady, 7'4". FDU has the shortest team in the nation. Their roster – their roster's average height is the shortest in the nation. They're playing the seven foot four Yao Ming of college basketball, Zach Eady. And I mean, he had 21 and 15, but I think for like the last six minutes of the game, he didn't get a shot. And FDU's post is six foot six. So you can blame that on Matt Painter saying, y'all, you don't get him a shot. You don't get him the ball. Look, the dude's seven foot four. You can throw that thing up to him and he'll catch it if he's open, but he was not open. Uh, yeah, they were. And, you know, shouts out to Tobin Anderson, uh, who is now the head coach at Iona after Rick Pitino took the St. John's job. Shout out to him because his game plan for them, and I heard him talk about it, was, you know, let Zach Eady get what he wants, make those other guys beat us. And Purdue could not shoot the ball, like, yeah. at all. They were, and you could, they didn't want to shoot the ball. Fairly Dickinson, they'd catch him, Fairly Dickinson, give him about six feet of space, and they'd sit there and be like, you know, they don't want to get it up. And so yeah. – I think this is a bigger upset than the Virginia-UMBC game, and it was one of my favorite games of the tournament to watch. Yeah, it was on the on the rewatch, fairly Dickinson, it just you could feel the energy they were playing with, the intensity. They, they were just a more physical, more intense team the whole time. And like you said, it, it, even though it was a close game and, you know, Purdue made their runs, it always felt like fairly Dickinson was kind of in control of that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, it was just really impressive to watch. Uh, and like, yeah, to your point, uh, Purdue shot – 19% from three. I think they shot five of 26 or five of 26, yeah. something like that. Uh, so an ugly performance for them. Uh, and then uh, Memphis and FAU was the next matchup. FAU pulling that one out. We can get into that. It was just kind of, it, it kind of sucked. I kind of hated that the FAU fairly Davidson matchup happened so early because I felt like I would have loved to see both of both those teams stay alive. They're both very energetic, fun teams to watch. And and before we get into the Memphis FAU game, uh, we can talk about Fairly Dickinson FAU just for like 10 seconds. And all I want to say about that is, you know, FDU wasn't a fluke. UMBC in their next round didn't stand a chance when they beat Virginia. I don't remember the final score, but they just got the dog crap beat out of them. Fairly Dickinson was winning for at least half of this game. The Fairly Dickinson Florida Atlanta game was really good. And then at Mm -hmm. the end, I mean, the team with better players just pulled it out. But yep. I mean, they, they fought their butts off, and they gave Florida Atlantic all they could handle in that second-round game. But like you said, uh, talking about Florida Atlantic, we can get into the Memphis-Florida Atlantic game. What are your thoughts on that one? Um, obviously, I had Memphis. I had Memphis in my Sweet 16. I had them beating Purdue in the second round. So that one was tough for me to swallow to watch Memphis kind of choke that one away. Uh, I felt like Memphis was in control of that game. For most, I mean, it was, you know, it was close most of the way. But I, I, you know, I just thought Memphis had the edge there. Um, and the way FAU plays is just very rambunctious, very out of control. I don't want to say out of control, but they, their coach lets them have the green light no matter where they are on the court. Like they're pulling up. There's no really offensive scheme. It's just guys getting shot up and them using their athletic, athleticism to kind of uh, dictate the game. So 
Um, it was that game was a lot of fun. I uh, hated the way it went down for Memphis with the with the timeout and the turnover mm-hmm. and stuff. And but they just kind of lost their composure at the end, and I think that really cost them. Yeah, uh, a couple of things. One, I think this was a bad draw for Memphis because FAU was like <laughs> thirty and two. So them being yeah. a nine seed is just stupid. It makes no sense. You're thirty and two and you're a nine seed. So it's a bad nine seed for Memphis to draw. Uh, and then to get into the end of the game, one, let's talk about how dramatic Kendrick Davis is. Uh, I yeah. tweeted it off my coaching Twitter when it happened. I said, I'm just going to be real honest here. I don't think Kendrick Davis is hurt. Uh, when he first went down, I didn't see the play. I just saw how he reacted. And I thought he like, tore his ACL or something. I was like, oh, yeah. he's done. Awesome. It seemed like it was awful. Yeah. And then I watched the replay, and I saw how he came down. I was like, maybe he like broke his ankle because it's a weird, it's kind of a weird landing spot. But he didn't roll it. His knee didn't buckle. You know, he's over there on the sideline throwing a little baby fit, screaming his head off, screaming at his teammates. And I was like, all right, this dude, this dude's just, he's just being a punk. That's all he was doing. And then two minutes later, he's checking back into the game. And the announcers were like, oh, Kendrick Davis has that dog in him. He's a warrior. He's a soldier. No, he's not hurt. Uh, I tweeted that. And like, I have people like, my obviously my coaching Twitter is not private. So I just had a bunch of people tweet me back, and they're like, "Yeah, I'm surprised you're the first person I've seen talk about this." I was like, I don't, "Why are the Why are the announcers like, oh, he's fighting his butt off to get back in this game? The dude was not hurt." Um, fast forward, he gets in. I think it, I don't remember what the score was. They either up one, down one, or it's tied, something like that. They get a steal. Kendrick Davis is pushing it and just turns it over, just right there as time's running out. He turns it over. Uh, Florida Atlantic grabs it. They're going. Their guy stumbles. The ball's on the floor. Tim Hardaway, or Tim Hardaway, Penny Hardaway's son dives on the ball, calls a timeout. Uh, the refs don't give it to him. Florida Atlantic dives on it, ties him up, calls a jump ball. It's Florida Atlantic's ball. Um, and I believe the game's tied at this point because Florida Atlantic went on to call a timeout and drop an inbounds play to end up winning the game off of it. But, you know, it's very, I don't know. It's people were talking about how they didn't get the timeout and how they should have got the timeout. And what I, you know, I'm as a coach, I'm not one to ever really agree with refs. If you've ever seen me coach, you can probably tell that every ref that I go with hates me. Has to be um, DNA. Yeah, but what I will say is, it's hard for these refs to look at the ball to make sure somebody has control of it, see mm-hmm. people calling a timeout all within a span of two seconds before somebody else jumps on the ball. So a lot of people were hating on these refs for not giving them the timeout. And I'm like, look, was his son on the ball? Yes. Did he ever have full control of it? Maybe. But by the time he got full control and called the timeout, Florida Atlantic dove on it and tied it up. So I don't think it's that of a cause. A lot of people say it was. I mean, in my opinion, I also think it was a jump ball. I've never seen in a college game people dive on it and they give one team a timeout. Ever yeah. they just always let him tie up and just go to the uh, possession arrow. So I don't think it was that bad of a call. Uh, I also think the possession arrow in college basketball is a joke. I think I mean it's prime time. It's prime time athletes do what the NBA does. But other than I know that, I don't know why I don't know yeah. why it's taking so long. The possession arrow, I hate it because it's like oh it feels so good when it's on your team's like yeah it's basically but, but then when yeah, when it's late in the game and you're like, and your defense is fighting for that ball, and oh, it's the arrow's pointing the wrong direction, it just feels yeah. it feels dumb. It feels really dumb. So outside of outside of the the possession thing, needs to get turned into what the NBA does, where they just actually do a jump ball. I don't think that was that bad of a call, and I don't think you know Penny Hardaway is just a giant baby, and I don't think he's a good coach. And he threw his water yeah. bottle. And I don't know if you saw how he threw it, but he threw it like a six year old girl. Yeah, they had the video of him. He goes. He goes and threw his water bottle. I was like, if you're going to throw your bottle, dude, look look good when you do it. Don't just be like, eh. Yeah, I, I, he definitely lost his composure uh, quite a bit down the stretch. And I think that also contributes, you know, obviously that's going to trickle down to your team. And I think that kind of hurt them late in crunch time for sure. Yeah. Um, so that was a tough one to watch. FAU's a fun team to watch. I'm, I'm excited to see what they can do against Tennessee. Tennessee's looked good. Uh, we can kind of get into that. I had Tennessee getting upset against Louisiana. Obviously, it was close. Louisiana gave their best shot. Uh, they just couldn't pull it off. Uh, but then Tennessee looked—they looked apart against Duke. Uh, what's your thoughts uh, going into the Sweet 16 about Tennessee? I don't remember in this bracket that we have for the podcast if I picked Tennessee or if I picked uh, I Louisiana. Can, Let me look. I can tell you real quick. Uh, give me 
like two seconds. I believe I picked Louisiana. No, I picked Tennessee in our bracket. I think in my other bracket, I picked Louisiana. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you said, it was a close game. It was a good game, and it's one of those games I really didn't care who won. I was kind of pulling for Louisiana just because it'd be cool. Yeah. Um, and then when Tennessee, you know, they move on, they play Duke in the uh, round of 32, I really just didn't think they had enough talent. You know, it was the Kai Ziegler, who's been like their mm-hmm. dog and their leader all year, going down with the torn ACL in the SEC tournament. I didn't think they'd make it past Duke, but I mean, they came right out in like the first five minutes of that game. Kyle Filipowski was bleeding from his eye, and I was like, "That's what I yeah. like. To see. That's what I like to see." These players you get tell those teams. Those teams did not like each other. They were that was a physical game. I mean, Duke, Tennessee kind of controlled it, you know, pretty early, but it was a physical game for sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I think. I don't know if Tennessee can really keep going forward. I think when they play in FAU here, it's going to be the battle of the cultures. Uh, FAU, yeah. like you said, run and gun, get shots up. Tennessee's all defense, so it's whatever's going to win out between those two things. It's not. I don't think mm-hmm. it's going to be a close game. I think one team is going to blow out the other team. I don't know which one it's going to be, but I think that's what's going to end up there. Do you have any more thoughts on Tennessee? No, uh, they've definitely surprised me. I thought, you know, with that season-ending season injury for Ziegler, I thought that was going to – be a little more costly than them, but they're 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 credit to them. They they fight they fought through it. Um, rest of the bracket, uh, Marquette obviously disappointing again. Uh, get the get the two seed when I really didn't honestly think they deserved the two. I thought that could have gone to a couple other teams, and honestly, I, I felt like they had a pretty easy road at least the Sweet Sixteen as a two seed. I mean, I mean Michigan State, USC, those teams didn't really scare anyone, you know. Uh, to either have to face them in the second round. Um, and, of course, Tom Izzo comes through again in that second-round matchup. Uh, Mr. March. thoughts there? Uh, no, I mean, it's just Tom Izzo, Mr. March. Uh, yeah. I had USC actually upsetting Michigan State in the yeah. um, first round, but then I also had USC beating um, – who are we talking about? I had USC beating Marquette. I had USC beating Marquette, Marquette in the round of 32 – so it didn't hurt me too bad, but you know, tough break for Shaka Smart who just cannot find postseason success at all. And mm-hmm. you know, he he finally has this highest seed he's ever had. He won a big e- the Big East outright after it's probably been the best it's been in a long time. Yeah, and then he draws Mister March Tom Izzo in a second round game. It, that's just bad luck, man. Um, Tom, you know, Tom Izzo's finding a way with this team. Uh, it's one of those things where you know, if they were a fourteen seed. I wouldn't be surprised that they're winning. Kind of like when Syracuse a couple of years ago was like a 10 seed and a 12 seed back-to-back tournaments and made it to the Sweet 16. You just – you got those coaches, yeah. and you just don't ever count them out. you just like, well, they're yeah. going to find out a way to do it. They're smart. They get their teams to play hard for them. And Tom Izzo's the epitome of that. Yeah. Yeah, it might not be Tom Izzo's most talented team he's ever had at Michigan State, but he's definitely got them playing, you know, the best basketball of the season. Mm-hmm. And that's usually the, the – the, uh, it's usually tradition for Tom and led teams, so nothing surprising there. Uh, that kind of wraps up our recap of the East region. We can kind of we can move back up to the Midwest. Uh, you know, uh, I'm trying to look here. Was this? Oh yeah, the, this one didn't really have. We didn't have any crazy upsets uh, in this round either. Um, Miami took care of Drake. I know you wanted to go over that one. Yeah. Uh, you want to get into that one? I just you know. I picked. I had my. I had Miami picked for a while, and then the more I like, you know, I looked into Drake. They have Tucker DeVries, and they the way they play the game. I'm just like, you know what? I'm going with Drake right here over Miami. Uh, I don't remember the Drake guy's name, the big dude, their post, but he he was huge. And then oh, yeah. Miami doesn't have a big man in, above six foot seven. I don't think no shadow mirror is pretty small. And so yeah. you know, what? And I was like, I'm gonna go with Drake in that entire game. Even with Tucker DeVries, the NBA prospect, shooting like one for 50, they they were in control almost the entire game. Um, mm-hmm. Three minutes and 50 seconds left. I think Miami ends it on like a 16 to one run or something like that. Yeah, it was because it, it was so weird. It was like it was so close. And then all of a sudden Miami just kind of pulled mm-hmm. away, you know. Well, they get into a press and uh, the point guard for Drake, his name escaping my mind right now. 
one of the best like turnover assist to turnover ratio guards in the nation. They pressed and he mm-hmm. turned it over twice in a row. They got layups, so that cuts the deficit to two. Yeah. Um, and then you know, just fast forward, the game's going on, and this is just really what pissed me off about this game is the big man for Drake had like twenty four and like twelve. He was just feasting this entire game. And like I said, Tucker mm-hmm. Breeze, who is the coach's son, was like one for 15, was just not on at all. And yeah. they come down, and it's a one-point game. I think Miami's up at this point. They're down, so Drake's down one. They bring the ball up the court, and they just keep running actions for Tucker DeVries, and he never gets an open mm-hmm. shot. And then with four seconds left, they throw it into their post. So they give their big man who does post moves four seconds to make a post move. And they ended up – I think they ended up getting a shot clock violation. And I just, like, yeah. I erupted. I was like, what kind of coaching is this? I understand it's your son, and you want him to hit the yeah. shot. The dude's been broke this entire game. Feed your hot hand. When they brought the ball up the court on this possession, the point guard dragged it to the ball side corner, and the post was mm-hmm. right there posting up wide open. And they just ran an offside stagger screen for Tucker DeVries to come up and get the ball. And I was like, dude, you're just trying to force the ball to your son. And I understand that, but you're a basketball yeah. coach you to win games. Stop for he hasn't hit a shot all game. He yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He didn't have it. He didn't have it, it, and he should have. He should have noticed that for sure. It pissed me off because I, you know, I picked Drake to beat them, and then I was like, well, Drake's got a big dude. All Indiana has is a big dude, so I also picked Drake to beat Indiana. And <laughs> they come around and they just lose off of just dumb coaching, dude. Drag the ball, yeah. get him into your big man, and let him eat like he was all game. You know, if he gets doubled, he throws it out to Tucker. That's fine. Shoot that. Stop running actions for a shooter. He's one for 16. I don't understand that. But that that, yeah. that game got my blood boiling. Yeah. Uh, that was definitely a mismatch for Miami's sake. Uh, you could tell Drake gave them a lot of problems, obviously. it was And like you said, it was 47-47 going into the under-eight timeout. Uh, Miami goes on to outscore Drake 16-9 uh, to nine, uh, to win that game by seven. So uh, that was, you know, it was a strong finish by Miami. But Miami, I, will, I want to say something about Miami-Indiana. That game uh, was a, be- a lot better matchup-wise for Miami. They, you know, yeah. Obviously, Indiana does have some size, but they, they, they match up better against Indiana. And they punched my Indiana in the mouth at the very beginning of the game and really just kind of had a chokehold on Indiana the whole time. Uh, Mike Woodson, the Indiana head coach, he kind of – he after – I think it was during the midway through the first half and – his his answer to one of the questions during the broadcast was like he's telling his team like wake up like telling his best player Trace Jackson Davis like you need to wake up we need to get going here like they, he he was like he was not holding back any words he definitely was telling his team they were soft and they looked they looked soft in the majority of that game uh, but credit to Miami they're uh, they've looked good all year they've looked like a strong team when they play a lot of these big uh, you know. Uh, heavily talented teams, and they, they they're they're holding their weight so far. I'm excited. I'm that's probably my uh, most I'm probably most excited for that for that Sweet 16 matchup, Houston Miami. I think that was going to be an absolute dogfight. Yeah, I did, I agree. I think that's going to be a real good game. You know, it's a battle of the guards, really. Uh, yeah. I think Houston's going to pull it out right there. We'll get into that later when we talk about it. But yeah, I think that's going to yeah. be a good. Um, that kind of. Was there any other games you wanted to talk? I, I know we kind of went, we kind of glossed over Xavier Kennesaw State. That was a crazy finish. Yeah. Uh, uh, the next game I have written down that we're going to talk about is Iowa State and Pittsburgh. And oh, yeah. we can just talk about this one's going to last like 30 seconds because this was an unbelievably ugly game to watch. I mean, it was, <laughs> yeah, it was just catch my eyes out. I think the both teams shot like 28% from the field. It was so bad. I think but at one point I was at the gym and I looked up at the ticker and the score was 19 to 2. I was like, yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like I said on the last pod, you know, I probably, Iowa State probably would have won and I would have picked them if they had Caleb Grill, you know, the guy that yeah. shot 11% from three until they played North Carolina and went eight for 12. Um, <laughs> but for a team that can't score the ball and then you, you dismiss your best offensive player, your best shooter, the only guy who can hit mm-hmm. an outside shot, I just didn't think I, Iowa State had a shot here. And I mean, Pitt, Pitt looks good in this tournament, they looked good against Iowa State. They are not very good. They are also very hard to watch. They just, I mean, yeah. they were more talented than Iowa State was in this game. It, again, like I said, it was brutal to watch, but Pitt ended up pulling yeah, it I saw, out. I saw Iowa State was down 19-2, to two, and I was like, yeah, we can go ahead and mark out that sweet 16 pick for me. Yeah. They're not getting done. Um, Cyclones fought back uh, somewhat, and then Pitt kind of pulled away again. It was yeah. never a game. Uh, 
just an ugly, ugly display uh, by Iowa State. And, I mean, Pitt, too, but they, credit to them, they got the dub. Um, Texas A&M, upset by Penn State. I, I picked Penn State not one. I think you had A&M. Uh, no, we don't need to talk about Oh, you picked Penn State? Okay, cool, cool, cool. Uh, I'm always down to watch uh, Coach Buzz to get, to get his Get his, get his butt whooped. I'm, I'm always down for that, especially if he's coaching the Aggies. Heck yeah. Uh, we can move on to the West region. Um, again, not a lot of this West and the Midwest. They didn't they didn't give us many upsets in the first round. A lot of chalk, but uh, didn't mean there wasn't many. There doesn't mean there wasn't good games. Uh, UCLA took care of business. Uh, Gonzaga. TCU Arizona State was probably the best game out of this uh, out of this first round region. Uh, any thoughts in this region for you? Uh, I picked Arizona State in that, and my pick was looking so good. And then I think all of my upsets, I think in this side of the bracket, or maybe just on this first day, most of them just ended on like a last second shot, and it was just so heartbreaking. I had Arizona winning this game, and they were killing them. They were beating them like the whole game, and then TCU just gets the ball, runs down the court, shoots the layup. I was like. Yeah. Okay. Arizona State like, fumbled the bag. They fumbled the bag yeah. in that one. They had they they were in control for late in that second half, and TCU just kind of made a late run. Uh, mm-hmm. Didn't matter though. Gonzaga kind of took care of TCU in the second round. Um, the one I am upset with myself is I didn't pick Arkansas to beat Kansas. Uh, I know whenever we were when we were doing our bracket picks, I I remember I remember uh, you know contemplating that one and saying like I really want to pick Arkansas here, but they just had. But they hadn't shown all season that they could get it done. You know, they've always kind of lost to those bigger and better teams. So, but credit to them, they got it done in the second round. Yeah, that's a game. I, I mean, I also picked KU, and I never had a, like a second thought about it until it came yeah. out. Bill Self wasn't going to coach, and then that's my, true. Sister, my sister and my family are big KU fans. So as soon as that came out, I texted them. I said, "Oh, I said that's that's a really hard." like thing to swallow when you're going up against a team that's as talented and as tough as Arkansas. Yeah. And it showed, it showed that they needed Bill Self, uh, Norm, what's his name? Norm Roberts, maybe I think is his name. The guy that mm-hmm. stepped in and mm-hmm. coach for Bill Self, former head coach at Temple, a uh, longtime assistant for Bill Self. He, you know, he's not Bill Self. Uh, down, down yeah. that stretch towards the end of the game, you could just tell they needed it. And uh, one of Bill Self's calling cards is his uh, out of timeouts, uh, baseline out of bounds plays. He is like the master of baseline out of baseline out of bounds plays. They score on him almost all the time, and there was about yeah. three, four, five in a row that they didn't score on. And I was like, "That's that's what they need is Bill Self right there." And you know, yeah. Shout out to Arkansas, my my man, shirtless Muss. Yeah. Uh, what do you th- are you an Eric Musselman fan? Do you like him? Oh, I love him. I okay. Love okay. Him. Uh, I, there's this girl I, that I'm friends with on Facebook, and she's like a KU uh-huh. fan. And she yeah. tweeted a picture of him shirtless and was, or put a picture of him shirtless on there. It was like absolutely zero class. And I was like, bro, shut up. He's yeah, I know. Hard. Like, he cares. Yeah. Like, you got beat. I think he, he can come off as kind of a, you know, like kind of a smart ass sometimes. But he, he's a, he, I, I like what he brings to college basketball. Like, I want more of that. Like, yeah, he's definitely a player's coach. And, he he recruits kind of like you know the one and done guys. He wants the most talented roster possible, and uh, it's working out for him right now. The one and dones usually don't fare well in the or in March Madness just because you need that you need that experience factor as well. But uh, they move on to play uh, UConn. I think it's also going to be another great matchup between him, Eric Musselman, and uh, I'm blanking on the on the UConn Dan coach's Hurley. name, Dan Hurley. The Hurley, right? Yeah. That's gonna be uh, shout out to Dan Hurley. Happy for him and what he what he's doing at UConn. Cool to see yeah, him. I'm a big uh, Dan Hurley guy as well. Yeah, uh, Battle of Council, the Say what? Battle of the hothead coaches. That'll be fun to watch. Yeah. There might be a fight between coaches. I love it. Yeah, we might get that handshake towards the end of that game. Might be a little hostile. That would be kind of fun to see see their interactions. Um, with that, I think we can kind of move on to. Uh, Talk about some of the Sweet 16. Oh, uh, oh yeah. One, you another thing one thing I want to talk about is, KSU, is Kansas State versus Kentucky in the oh, second yeah. round. Oh, yeah. The best – how did we miss that? The best game of – maybe of the tournament so far. Yeah. That, uh, was an that incredible one was incredible. Game to watch. Um, Jerome Tang, coach of the year, in my opinion. They Were they picked last in the Big 12? 
Uh, I don't know if it was last, nine. but it was down there. It was down there. there. Was it not? I think OU was picked 10. I think OU was 10. Okay. So, K-State yeah. picked down at the bottom just all year. Like After, like, the first half of the year, is ranked top 15, like, all year. Just killing it. Yeah. Uh, you know, they pull up against Kentucky here. Undersized. Uh, under understarred as far as recruits go, under-talented as far as people think. And my man's Marcus Noel just made top 10 lottery pick, Kaysen Wallace, who's been compared to Drew Holiday, the best perimeter defender in the NBA, made him a baby. Marcus Noel lit him up. And what drives me crazy about this game and why Coach Calipari is one of the biggest jokes of a coach of all time is that he – what he said after the game? Yeah, is that he called him little guy. And I'm just like, look – Little kid, this little like kid got twenty-seven and eight. Yeah. He busted your ass. That's it's just as Calipari, who's been struggling the last four years, mm-hmm. it's just always been considered, you know, not necessarily a good coach, just a good recruiter. And then he yeah. goes out here and plays a team with Jerome Tang, first-year head coach, and Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson and a bunch of people nobody knows. And then he just mm-hmm. gets beat. He gets straight up outplayed. And then he goes, "Well, this little kid from New York at twenty-seven. Well, guess what? Who guess who he had twenty seven on? You idiot! I don't understand yeah. when people do that. All that does is make you look worse as a person and make you look worse as yeah. a team. Like, how are you going to get beat by somebody and then come out and be like, "Well, this guy sucks"? No, he just whooped you. He I know. toasted you, and you're going to sit there and disrespect him. And I know there's been that thing that came out where he called Marquise Noel and apologized. I don't care. You're a full grown yeah. six year old man talking trash on this twenty three year old. Grow up. You know, I hope yeah. Coach Cal, he's not going to get fired. I hope he gets out of college basketball. I'm tired of him. I'm tired of watching his teams. They suck. He sucks. Screw Coach Cal. Yeah, he's, he's easy to root against for, especially after that after that post-game comment. I mean, to, to maybe like before, you know, if he said that something about uh, him being a little kid before the game, before he even matched up with them, like that's one thing. But after he roasts your whole team and, mm-hmm. and, and beats your team, like you got to come in there and show some respect. Uh, he definitely – Noel had a game that was just like every probably college basketball player dreams of having in that type of moment. Like that's a once in a lifetime type game Campbell he had. Walker, Napier type yeah. of player. Uh, Twenty-seven points, nine. I mean, and he, his two-man game with the big man uh, was just mm-hmm. incredible. I mean, it, he just was he was dicing them as well, hitting threes uh, and just getting buckets. It was incredible to watch. Um, but K State now moves on to play Tom Izzo, Michigan State. I'm definitely rooting for the the Wildcats uh, and Jerome Tang. He's what he seems like he's building something there culturally. Uh, really, really cool to see. Yeah, K-State. I like I like the fact that one you know Cal has this post game press conference where he's just talking trash and being just an absolute yeah. scum of the earth. And then they go to Jerome Tang, and Jerome Tang just straight up is like, you know what? Those old dudes from Kentucky, they're not coming back. You got to come out here with a bunch of dudes. And he said something that I liked. He was like, you know, we have tradition too. And they do. Yeah. They've been in basketball school, just not as of late. And yeah. he said, "But we tonight we had more dudes, and they did. And that just it mm-hmm. kind of it kind of shows you because Kansas State wasn't more talented, but their players want to play so hard for Jerome Tang. Yeah, Coach Cal's players do not. Coach Cal's players are just playing for themselves. They're trying to get themselves into the NBA. Casey yep. Wallace, I have nothing against him. He's a heck of a player. He had like twenty eight and ten in this game." He plays his butt yeah. off, but the rest of these dudes, they don't care. They're just out there to get their cardio in. They don't want to play hard for Coach Cal. Those Kansas yeah. State dudes will headbutt a brick wall for Jerome Tang. I <laughs> that's, that's definitely true. And Oscar Tshibway, he also had a great game, which, I mean, the matchup, he should have he should have dominated, and he did 25-18. and 18. I really thought he was going to just straight will Kentucky to, the, to a win. But uh, K-State, that was, that was absolutely insane. Um, with that, sorry, we should have recapped that one as we went to the South, the East region. That's my fault. I kind of, we kind of overlooked it, but, uh, we can kind of hop into the, some of these, uh, sweet 16 matchups. Um, yeah, let's go ahead and we can just pick who we think is going to win in each of these games. We can go, you know, back to the Elite Eight, Final Four and everything like that and talk about who we think is going to be where. We can just basically do another re-bracket. Okay. Yeah, Uh, that works. We can just go through real quick right here, through them. So, uh, so let's start. Let's start. You want to start with South? Yeah. Okay. Uh, first game up, Alabama, San Diego State. Who you got? Uh, I have Alabama, but I think this is going to be like Alabama's really 
biggest challenge so far because San Diego State's just a mm-hmm. bunch of full-grown men. I mean, Matt yep. Bradley looks like he's two foot tall, 250 pounds of just straight muscle. The dude is just like walks around like this and just babies people. So that's yeah. like their whole team. Their whole team's like a bunch of full-grown men. They're all like fifth-year seniors that, that plays for him. Uh, Brian Dutcher's been there a while as the coach. I think, you know, San Diego State kind of grinds you down and plays real physical defense. I think Alabama's going to struggle with this, but ultimately I think Bama pulls it out. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Bama pulls it out. I did, when we first started doing this, uh, the first bracket I did this year was I had San Diego State winning this game against Alabama. Uh, I just liked, liked watching San Diego State. They're a hard-nosed physical team. They're not a team you want to see in, in uh, this type of, you know, March Madness stuff. Uh, but I'll go Alabama here. They're they're playing really well. A uh, lot of talent. Just overload on that one. Uh, but Creighton Princeton, I'm willing to take Princeton. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they have some size to battle up against Creighton, and or maybe not so much the size, but they have the shooting to kind of uh, negate some of Creighton's uh, you know advantage there. And like you said, Princeton's playing with that mentality of nothing to lose, uh, and I think they can kind of carry that on to the Elite Eight here. Yeah, I got. I have Creighton. Uh, I think, you know, this is the first time uh, McDermott at Creighton's had a team that actually plays any defense. And, you yeah. know, granted, Arizona's an incredible offensive team. They don't play a lick of defense. And neither really neither does Mizzou. Neither one of those teams play mm-hmm. defense. You know, Princeton got up and going on them. I think Creighton's just going to be too much talent-wise here for Princeton. I think, one, Ryan Kalkbrenner's like nine foot tall. He, I think he's going to eat inside. Yeah. And then – Creighton, they have a very short rotation. They play six mainly. They play their starting five, and they yeah. get bring in, uh, Harabello off the bench. That's really all they play. But the five that start, there's not a weak spot in that lineup. I mean, you got Nimhard, Trey Alexander, Baylor Schleierman, um, Arthur Kaluma, and then Ron Kaufbrenner. I, I mean, there's just not a weak spot in that. So there's like, there's nowhere that Princeton can really just, you know, exploit. You know, and so. That's true. I got Creighton pulling this one out. And I think Creighton's also going to play with some of that nothing to lose mentality because there was a while there that a lot of people didn't think they were going to make the tournament the way they were playing. So Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I had them getting bounced in the first round against NC State, and they've kind mm-hmm. of definitely proved me wrong. I mean, they get, they handled both NC State and Baylor pretty handily, winning by nine in both those games. And Baylor never really had a shot uh, mm-hmm. at all they in that game. For a while. Yeah. Uh, it was an ugly display by Baylor. Um, but I think I'll go Bama to beat whoever the winner is of that Creighton Princeton game and kind of move on to the Final Four. I'm sure you feel the same. Yeah, I got Bama going on to the Final Four. I think if Bama plays Creighton, though, I think that's going to be a hell of a game. So that's something to watch. Yeah, it definitely be a close game. It won't be won't be mm-hmm. easy by any stretch of the imagination. That brings us to uh, Florida Atlantic versus Tennessee. Who you got here? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna ride the hot hand, uh, Tennessee. I just they, they've definitely proven me wrong. The injury hasn't, to Ziegler hasn't been as, uh, you know, devastating as I thought it was going to be. And, I mean, I think, obviously, they get, you know, they're playing a nine seed instead of playing Purdue here. Um, but I think they come in locked in, ready to go, physical. Uh, but FAU, I think they hang for, you know, a, a half or, you know, almost two halves. But I think they kind of essentially run out of gas here. So I'm going to go with Tennessee. I'm going to go. I mean, we both obviously had Duke moving on all the way to the final four yeah. years. Neither one of us have any dog in this fight, but uh, I'm going to go with FAU just because I like, you know, Tennessee, I still, like, really just makes me uneasy. They don't have Zakai Ziegler. If they run into any offensive struggles without Zakai Ziegler, yeah. they're screwed because he, he didn't start for them, but he was their best player. And, how, mm-hmm. like, five games into the season, Rick Barnes took him out of the starting lineup because when there was a lull in the offense, he could put him in and get some sparks. And so I think without yeah. him, I think they're going to struggle. And – Florida Atlantic, you know, the way they play, if they get fired, there's only such good defense you can play if they catch on fire. Yep. So I'm, I'm going to go with Florida Atlantic to roll this one through. Yeah, I'll be secretly rooting for FAU. I I, I like – in this region, all, all our teams are dead, so we can just kind of root Yeah, so it doesn't really matter, so it'll be a fun game to watch. Yeah. Uh, then K-State, Michigan State. I'm going to go K-State here. I, I have a feeling that they're just kind of destined to make this Final Four run, so I have K-State kind of – running through here, getting to the final four. I, I'm putting, I I'm, they're exciting to watch. I'm putting my whole Kimba, cardiac Kimba, Shabazz, Napier, stock into the state team. I got them going to the final four as well. So I got them. I, I love Izzo, Mr. March, heck of a coach. Love watching him coach. Yeah. I got uh, Jerome Tang and 
Marquise Noel pushing it through right here. I also like the storyline of Keontae Johnson. Uh, yeah. You know, I, I really like that. Again, I, t- I touched on the last pod, but uh, Keontae Johnson, former preseason SEC Player of the Year, who early in the season, pr- was it pre-COVID? Yeah, it was pre-COVID. Pre-COVID, early in the season, just collapsed on the court. Just uh, His heart gave out, and he collapsed, and he didn't get cleared in the SEC to play, so he transferred to K-State. Hadn't played in two years. And, I mean, is one of the best players in the Big 12 right now. And so yeah. uh, I kind of like that storyline. I like the little tiny guard heating up, Marquise Noel. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like Nezzy Sills for K-State. I got them pushing on right here. And then I got them also going past – I have them going past Florida Atlantic in the next round. Right. That'll be uh, – K-State, FAU, Elite 8 matchup. Like, sign me up. That'll be yeah, electric. Be Both those teams are so fun. All right, moving you- on to – you want to go on to the – Who do you have in oh, K-State? Do you got K-State? Oh, uh, yeah, I'm going to go K-State. I'm going to go K-State. We both K-State. got K-State. K-State going to the Final Four. Let's go. Yeah, substituting Duke there. So that Final I Four game – should have done that in the beginning. That Final Four game will be what, Alabama versus K-State? Yeah, Alabama versus K-State. Uh, okay. That'll be a good one. Yeah. Uh, moving on to the Midwest, we've got uh, Houston – Miami, who you got here? I got Houston, and I got Houston not because of Marcus Saster, not because of uh, Jamal Shedd, not because of any of that. I got them because of Jairus Walker. Um, both these teams have incredible guard play. Um, yeah. Jairus Walker had the first, like, 20, like 20 plus point, 8 plus rebound, 6 plus block game since Akeem Olajuwon in Houston history. Um, mm-hmm. Last time we did a mock draft, I think I had him at number 4, somewhere around that area. If not, I know I had him top 5. And I think he's yeah. just playing himself. I mean, with the stuff that's going on with Brandon Miller legal-wise, mm-hmm. I would not be surprised if Jarius Walker plays himself into that three spot. The way he's playing in this tournament, he looks phenomenal. He looks like he looks like Draymond Green. He looks like prime Draymond Green yeah. right now. Plays heck, hella defense. Doesn't get as many assists as Draymond, but he throws some absolute dimes. And so I think – You think NBA he'll be a better scorer, though, than Draymond? Yeah. I think he shoots better. I think he's smarter. I think he has better offensive. Play. I, I love. Yeah. I love James Walker right now. So I got him going. Yeah, I got that beating Miami. Uh, I'm gonna go Miami here. Uh, I I have it. I my other bracket that's alive or well, kind of it had Duke's champion, so it's not really alive, but it has a lot of teams left. Uh, I have Miami winning this game, so I'm I'm gonna secretly rooting for Miami, and it doesn't hurt me here because both of us have Houston moving on in our brackets. Um. I just like what Miami has done all season. Just going to keep riding that train. Uh, and Houston hasn't looked shaky, shaky, I wouldn't say, but they haven't looked, they, they look beatable. They, they, they don't look dominant. So I think Miami can kind of play physical with them. Uh, their guards just have to be hitting, hitting big time shots though all night long. Yeah. For sure. I think that'll be a good game. Yeah. Uh, okay. Xavier, Texas. Xavier, Texas. Obviously, I'm rolling with Xavier here. Uh, mm-hmm. I like Sean Miller. I like Jack Nunji. I like Kobe Jones. I love uh, Kunkel. I love uh, Sule Boom. I love all. Yep. I love this team. I like watching them play. They're really fun to watch. Uh, and a lot of people didn't like the whole uh, Kunkel and uh, Sule Boom getting into it. I happen to yeah. love seeing that because I, I, I yeah. think that's just I think that's just two dudes wanting to win. I think that's what it was because yeah. then they, got, they went out there. And it did not affect their play. Nope. Uh, and what it was was Sule Boom drove, and he jumped in the air to pass, which as a guard you're never supposed to do. And mm-hmm. Kunkel should have floated to the corner. Kunkel didn't, which as a shooter you're always supposed to do. So both guys were wrong. Ended up turning the ball over. Uh, they get in each other's grill, start going at it, then they turn around and just turn up and end up pulling out the win over there against Pitt. So I, I like Xavier, or Xavier here. I like the way they're fighting. I, I like what Sean Miller's doing. Yeah, I, I really like uh, – I'm glad you brought up that Bailey Boom and uh, Jack Nunjol thing because uh, that was that was definitely weird to watch. Like, it happened as they were going away to timeout, and they were they were, they were were definitely getting into it. They coach kind of had to separate them. They were um, in the timeout. Yeah, even the timeout, they were still going after it when they came back from break. Uh, but I think – I think it's cool to see like guys get over that in the moment and kind of, you know, still they move past Kennesaw. I mean, they, at that point, that Kennesaw, that was in the Kennesaw State game. And that game is still completely mm-hmm. up in the air. There was no guarantee they were winning that game. So for them to kind of put that behind them, get the win and then go on and beat Pitt as well. 
Uh, I think that's kind of a little narrative, a good little narrative they've got going here. I think uh, chemistry-wise, they're really strong, and I think they have a good chance here. But with that said, I'm still going to stick with Texas. Uh, I know. I, I hate it, too, but uh, I need these points in the bracket. I need, I need also, it to happen. Dylan Disu for Texas, I don't think that man's ever missed a mid-range jump shot in his life. Yeah, I know. And it's ugly. I, yeah. He puts it right here, and he just goes. It's and disgusting. It's just, and he – I watched him do it twice against OU this year and uh, be OU doing that too. So it's, 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 it, it hurts every time I see it. I mean, I think um, he hit, I think he hit four straight again. Like Penn State was on a run and they cut it to three and then Dylan DC would just be like, and he yeah. just hit like four in a row. And I was like, that is so ugly, but it's just, it's bottom. So Texas has been incredibly good in the clutch, especially in just whenever the teams are making runs against them, they, they have a response every time. But that Xavier Tech game, I think, is going to come down to the wire. It might come down to whoever, whoever has the ball last type thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that brings uh, – I have Houston-Xavier in that Elite A matchup, and I'm going to go with Houston again. Um, the Jairus Walker factor is why I'm taking them. And Marcus Sasser's a dog. Jamal Shedd's a dog. Uh, they have a yeah. bunch of dogs on that Houston team. But Jairus Walker is the whole reason I'm picking them to go here. Yeah. I have so we we have completely separate uh, different teams here now. Uh, I'm gonna go Miami and I have Miami and Texas. I'm gonna go um, I'm gonna go Miami. I'm just gonna they beat Houston. I'm just gonna I know I know I have Miami. I'm putting Miami in this little new little Final Four. It's gonna be Miami, huh? Got some stock in Jim Laranega, huh? I do, I do. I just there's something about this Miami team. They just keep winning. They keep winning the big games. so I'm going to go Miami here against uh, Texas in the Elite Eight. So that leaves me with Bama, Miami, and K-State as my three Final Four so far as we so uh, that, get into the final region. That leaves me with Bama, K-State, and Houston as we move on to the West right here. And uh, okay. this first game, man, all these games in the freaking Sweet 16 look delicious. Man. They're incredible. I mean, they, you're not going to want to move away from your television. Yeah, everything I see, I'm like, damn, all these games look so <laughs> good. And oh, I mean, it's a UConn game. Like I said, it's the battle of the hot-headed coaches. They're going to be screaming at each other. Uh, neither one of these, these Arkansas and UConn teams are just, like, grinded out, beat you up basketball. Yeah. There's going to be some broken bones Physical. in this game. Um, yeah. That being said, I got UConn pulling away here. Uh, mm-hmm. I had UConn beating Kansas as well, so I, it's not changing anything. I think the X factor here is Arkansas is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the nation. Uh, Nick Smith Jr. Mm-hmm. has actually been really struggling here. He's falling down my draft. Yeah, he's been terrible. He's been getting benched in the last five minutes of the games. He's not even playing. Yeah. Um, and so I've got, and like you said, Ricky Council's killing it. He's a dog. He's going crazy. But yeah, I think Jordan Hawkins is going to be the X factor in this game, and Adama Sanogo. I think those two are just going to be way too much for Arkansas to uh, handle. I don't know if you watched the UConn Iona game. I did. Uh, I did. It was really close. And then to start the second half, I think Jordan Hawkins had two points. And I think I saw him hit three straight threes off the same exact play. And I was just like, one, it's a beautiful shot. I don't like that he jumped so high on it because it's like a lot of energy, but it's a beautiful mm-hmm. shot. And then I just think if he stays hot, I don't think Arkansas can handle him. So I got UConn yeah. right on here. Yeah, I'm going to go UConn as well. I think obviously it's a close physical game. Um, Arkansas has. I think might be the more talented, you know, individually talented team. They have a lot of lottery picks on that squad, first round picks. Um, but I think UConn just defensively uh, behind Hurley is going to get it done. And Snogo kind of had a, it felt like he had a moment in that St. Mary's game where he's like, I'm, I'm the most, I'm a beast out here. And I'm just going to like info, enforce my, you know, my willpower on everyone else. And I think he kind of, he maybe found something. So I'm interested to see the kind of impact he has on this game. I think Snogo could, he can really dominate uh, the rest of this tournament, really. Uh, So I'm going to go UConn here. All right, and that brings us to UCLA-Gonzaga. And obviously in this bracket, I have UCLA winning. And the way they've been playing, playing, uh, I think they've been the most – I mean, Bama's been pretty dominant. But I think out of all the two seeds and really the one seeds, they had the most impressive first-round game. Yeah. And really, who did they play? And then against Northwestern. Northwestern. They won by five, but it was one of those games I just never really had in doubt. Uh, Tiger Campbell and Honey yeah. Hawkeyes are a bunch of absolute monsters. 
The mm-hmm. one thing that scares me about this is David Singleton, the uh, fifth-year senior for them, rolled his ankle in the last four minutes or four seconds of the game. It's kind of really sad to see. It's his fifth year. Yeah. It was just breaking the press. And he like he got they fouled him to shoot free throws, but the foul didn't cause the ankle roll. I kind of felt bad mm-hmm. for the dude that fouled him because he fouled him, and he was like – he put his hands up because he thought he hurt him. But the dude he hurt him full speed, and when he planted, his ankle roll. Um, yeah. David, Singleton, David Singleton's a heck of a shooter. Um, so an ankle really does affect the way you shoot because if you can't get the same lift off of your ankle, then it's a struggle. So that's yeah. something to really like watch in this game. That being said, uh, I think Jaime Hawkins and Tiger Campbell and Amari Bailey are going to be too much for Gonzaga here. UCLA's got the bigs to throw at Drew Timmy. They got a Dimbona. They have Mac Etienne, and they have one more big dude. I can't remember his name, but they got me. They got 15 fouls right there to send Drew Timmy to the free throw line, and he's not good there. So I got, I got UCLA yeah. out. Yeah, I've got UCLA as well. Uh, they they're kind of like the Del- they have the, the the thing you need in to be successful in March Madness, and that's the talent on top of the experience. Yeah, like you said, Hami Hawkins, those guys they they have a lot of experience under their belt. I think they uh, kind of lean on that and get the job done here. And, and I and I'll just go ahead and I think they go ahead and beat UConn in the next round as well to move on to the Final Four. I also have that, and for the same reasons. Uh... They're just more talented, and then, you know, again, we talked about how dominant Sonogo's been, but UCLA's got three bigs they can throw at him. Um, yeah. And I think if David Singleton's playing, then I think they'll be fine. Even if he's not, I think they're just a better team than UConn, so I also got them moving on. That'll that'll be a fun game, too, because Mick Cronin, also a very high-headed coach. So Dan Hurley yeah. versus Cronin, two short, bald kings going at it. <laughs> a lot of great uh, coaching matchups here in this, so brings, in this Sweet 16. Uh, brings us to the final four, correct? Where I have Alabama, K State, Houston, and UCLA. Yep, and then I have three of the same. My instead of Houston, I just have Miami there. Okay, so the first uh, one. So who, who, you who you got? Yeah, who you got in the Bama K State game? Um, I want to go with K State. I really do from the Kimba <laughs> candidate type, from the Kimba Walker type of point of view. I, I would love to see that, but I think Brandon Miller is going to be too much for them to guard. Uh, yeah. Javon Kimberly is going to be too much for them. So I, I yeah. got Bama going on here. I think the firepower is just going to be too much for K-State. That being said, when it gets down to the Final Four here, I could care less about my bracket, and I am rooting only for K-State. So yeah. I, I got Bama. Yeah, I'll be rooting for K-State, but I've got Bama moving on as well. There's too too much talent, too much mismatch there. And then uh, Houston, UCLA, and the bracket we're doing with my family and everybody, I have yeah. Houston winning. Uh, again, from okay. the Jairus Walker standpoint, I just I'm so in on that dude. I got them moving on. In this one, though, I originally picked UCLA, and I'll stick with that pick here. I got UCLA going forward. Yeah, I'm gonna go UCLA here to beat Miami, who's my other Final Four team. Uh, kind of feels like Miami just met their match finally. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody that just kind of out talent them, and I think beat them, and that mismatch I think will be a little too much for Miami. So I'm gonna go UCLA, Bama which is what I have in my bracket. So that's what we're rooting for here. Yep. I got, I got Alabama UCLA in my championship game as well. Uh, I have UCLA winning. You have Alabama. Yeah. So we'll I stick think, with those. That's what's going to, I think that's what it's going to come down to. I mean, that is yeah. what it's going to come down to because we have the three same final four teams. Yeah. And so, and that's, that's, that's crazy. Our, our first bracket for this podcast, we get the championship game, right? Like that's yeah. pretty sure. Xavier, Xavier, Texas might hurt me. Um, but that being said, if Xavier pulls it out, it's going to come down to the Alabama-UCLA championship yep. here. Um, <laughs> my final score prediction for the championship is 77-70 to 70 UCLA. What's yours? Oh, uh, mine is 66-58 Alabama. All right. Well, I think that wraps up our, uh, you know, our little bracket breakdown slash preview of the yeah. uh, Sweet 16 and up. To remind everybody what we have lying on this is on the podcast, whoever loses is going to do the one chip, or the hot chip challenge, whatever it is. We're going to eat it on the podcast. We're going to sit here and watch it. Uh, for those of you who don't know, me and Marshall are also in a fantasy football league, and in that league, mm-hmm. uh, the loser has to get a tattoo on their thigh that says fantasy football loser. And I don't know if Marshall knows this, but it's a pretty well-known fact. We all want him to get it so badly. And yeah. Marshall just drafts safe every year, so he won't. Mm-hmm. So, I'm just, just. I've really got my fingers crossed that you lose this. So I can witness you lose part of our bets finally. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you've gotten had to get the tattoo twice now. Yep. Shut uh, up. I've. Yeah. 
I've yet to yet to have to get it uh, yet, but you know I'm nervous every every August. Yeah. So. so I'm hoping I'm hoping this is the year you're gonna lose this, do the chill challenge, and you're gonna lose fantasy and get the tattoo. That's what I'm hoping. What a year! What a year! What a disaster that sounds like. Uh, I don't know when our uh, next pod will be. It'll probably be you know sometime next week after the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, leading up to the yeah. Final Four Championship game. Hopefully yeah. we got some good stuff to talk about. We've got incredible games coming forward. I have an AAU <laughs> tournament this weekend in Duncanville, Texas. And oh, I'm, fun. I'm pretty sad about it because I have to miss the Friday games. Oh, that uh, sucks. Yeah. On Saturday, we play at 12 and 6. So I should be able to get home around where some of the other games are. And then I'm. Are uh, you coaching? Are you yeah. coaching? No, nice, I'm playing. Nice. No, I knew you weren't playing, but I didn't know if you were just going to watch some, some of your guys or something. I didn't know if you're actually coaching. Look, I love my players. I will not drive to Duncanville <laughs> watch my players play AAU basketball. Um, Thank you. Sunday, my first game's at 11 a.m., so I'm hoping that gets done at noon. I drive back, I get back by about 4 or 5, and that's when that last game starts. So yeah. I miss some games, but you know what? You do what you do. Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. Uh, anything else before we get out of here, Marsh? Nope, I think that's it. Uh, looking forward to talking about these these games after they happen this weekend. I'm pumped. Yeah. All right, we'll see you guys later. All right, see you, man. All right. Anyway, sometimes the music just stops playing for no reason. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry if you guys. There it goes. There it goes. All right. Yeah.